0: Welcome to The Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of The Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Joe Such, the founder of the Maker Music Festival. Joe is also the president of Camara Arts Makerspace located in Sonoma County, California. Joe is a software developer, artist, musician, and avid home cook. I've known Joe for probably 17 or 18 years, one of the most artistic makers of things I've ever met. So, Joe, it's a real pleasure to have you on Cool Tools.
1: I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: You know, we're really delighted to hear the recommendations you have for us,
0: and thanks for joining.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Joe. I, I just love the stuff you make. It's always uh, beautifully made, and there's a sense of cleverness and humor in it. Um, we'll we'll have links to uh, your site so people can see the really cool things that you make. It's so much fun. Um, first up, you want to talk about something. This is something that I've been dabbling in. Uh I think it's really cool, i can't wait to hear your take on it it's uh, uh some software called sonic Pi yeah
1: sonic Pi so um yeah one of my one of the things I do is i'm a musician i'm a guitar player, and um I gig here and there locally and make music and uh the past year year or so yeah i've, I've ran into sonic pi because i was looking for so you know um as a pro because it, it combines two things <laughs> me as a software developer and me as a musician right mm-hmm. so now i've got this ruby based code coding language that i can make music with and so for instance um once i got figured it out um i wrote my own drum like kind of a drummer you know, drum machine where I could mm-hmm. um, enter in patterns and blah, 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 blah. And so now I can use that as a backing, which is kind of compliments, as I know, Mark probably knows, is I have built my own physical drummer in a suitcase, which I've
0: had. Mm-hmm. A, so cool. cool
1: I use Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, with Sonic Pi, it was kind of cool because um, I've um, been getting more into composing and doing things like that. And so... And then, it sort of as a as a pro, kind of programmer flowcharty kind of guy, there are these sort of rules for chord progressions in music. Mm-hmm. Music, and so I was able to sit there and to write new new kind of songs i would just i wrote this um, application in sonic pi to just generate chord progressions and then it would just play them and so i would just listen to them right and then i was mm-hmm. yeah i kind of like that passage so now you could pause it and then see what it did and then i could take that and go from there as to an actual comp- composed music that i would record later so you know it's good for that all that sort of stuff um it has a great sort of like also deals with samples really well so about a year and a half ago or something um i'm trying to remember who it was it was through i think someone like the smithsonian or something but they released a whole library of of samples um, and it's just got all this kind of crazy old music all from movies and things like that. And I use that to kind of play around with layering, sort of these these sort of sample pieces of layering sound over these chord progressions and things like that. And so it was, it's, so it's just a lot of it's a lot of fun to play with to create these sort of things. You can build it as a tool or just kind of explore and play with. So yeah, so Sonic Pi, you know, definitely thumbs up as a as a fun environment.
0: One of the things I liked about Sonic Pi is. It was. It has a really great tutorial, an interactive tutorial, so that when you fire it up for the first time, it's very conversational where there's just saying, you know, here's a line of code. Change this number from 40 to 50 and you can hear the tone increase. Now let's add uh, a randomizer so that we can uh, warble the sound. And so you, in like, you know, a half an hour, you are starting to make some really interesting synthesizer sounds with it.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. It's got a very low entry level. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: so
2: for is it more uh, like a language, like a processing language or is it is there an interface to the software like an app where you are dragging things or, um, or or is it like a programming language where you are just working with text?
1: The basic interface is like a programming language. Yeah, and so you're you're. It's so sort of like back in the old Visual Basic days. so like a language like Basic that was interactive. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like, and you can actually you can dynamically play it. So it's not like oh, do something and hit run. You, it has these live loops in there where you can actually interactively change. So it's it's set up as as a performance engine as well, not just hey, make this thing and play it and see what happens. Yeah, so that's a cool thing. Now that said, many you can create. Through OSC and things. What's OSC? It's it's a it's a communicate it's a basically a, a communication protocol, and you can sit there and now people have created front ends for it using things like processing and things like that.
2: Okay, so, um, but the output basically is still just going to be uh, code.
1: Yeah. Well, the output is sound.
2: Yeah. Is what the output is. Yeah.
1: yeah the input's cool. code. Yeah, the input so okay, you the output record. is
2: actually and actually sound. sound. All right, all right.
1: Yes, exactly. And so for instance, like with the with the little drum machine thing that I wrote, well it's not that little, but um you can then what you can do is you can sit there and go, Okay, now output to audio and output to audio track by track. And so then what I do is then I import that into my digital audio workstation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And so yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so yeah, so the output of Sonic Pi is sound.
0: Okay. Um Joe, I have a question. I was thinking it would be funded. It runs on Raspberry Pi, which is cool. Um yes. would it be possible to like put it install it on Raspberry Pi, uh have a script running, and then have like some potentiometers or sliders to control the some of the the variables in there. So you would have like a little standalone kind of synthesizer that didn't use a keyboard for the input, but but uh you know, some, some controllers and sensors and things like that. Do you think that's possible?
1: Yeah. Yes, you can. Right. Yeah. That
0: that would be so cool. Uh, I'd love to talk to you offline about. (laughs) Yeah. It's
1: nothing I've done, but we'd have to do some research, but I know that that's that's completely possible. Yeah.
0: That would be so cool to make little gadgets because, you know, you can buy a Raspberry Pi zero for five bucks and then imagine like a little cool synthesizer yeah i know yeah okay yeah Something
2: you could have like a sister that's that controlled by animals <laughs> yeah that would be amazing one for your dog yeah well
1: you can even have it controlled by you know um sc- you know scanning things coming off of twitter and stuff like that and search you know all that that's all that that whole world too where it can be yeah. controlled, controlled by a website right
2: that would be so cool yeah so so anyway sonic pi sounds like a fantastic yeah, tool yeah, that's Very free cool. Yeah, Pi Sonic Pi, and it's Python based. Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. I'm sorry, yeah, Ruby based. Right,
0: okay. But but, uh, you really the the scripting language is so easy that I don't know anything about Ruby, and I was able to like start making interesting sounds right away.
1: Yes, and it's it's not it's not. Total formal Ruby, so you, you, can do, you can do things like in Ruby. And it's like I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so it's, yeah. so it's semi Ruby. Yeah, it's based on Ruby. quasi Ruby. Quasi Ruby. Okay, so what, what's this, what's your second uh, tool? Yeah. Joe?
1: Um, let's see. The second thing, um, large well,
2: format Chinese laser cutter. Yeah,
1: okay, yeah, the Chinese laser cutter. So um, at the la- at um, the makerspace here, um, in most makerspaces. Um, there, the, I, you know, these, you know, there's, Laser cutters are kind of expensive, especially for high-powered ones. But we found that we, we bought this Chinese one a while back, and, and they're,
2: it's big. It's three foot by four feet. And w- does it have a, a model number or name or something? You don't know?
1: they're just kind of the they're Chinese laser cutters. Is it like an Al- AliExpress
0: like, deal? Yeah, you,
1: Exactly. It's AliExpress. Ali You've got to always do some research to find them. Um, but the ones you want are ones that have a Ruida controller. And how do you spell that? R U I D A. Um and then and the reason why is because then it'll run Lightburn, which is the is the controlling software.
2: Okay. So just, it's not uh, the hardware that's the key thing. Oh yeah, no, the hardware so
1: the hardware's great. And so the thing is it's that one, they're inexpensive. So if you look at a large format laser cutter, they're like ten, twenty thousand dollars, right? And these guys are around four thousand dollars. So wow. uh, yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, we got one. And then the thing is, is that they, they work great. You know, we've, we've run ours for at least five years, you know, and we've got, you know, we've got members who don't know what they're doing running them. And so it's, it's held up today. I just, I just, I maintained ours and replaced the lens. Oh got, You know, and it was a minor thing. And so, you know, so anyway, so I think it's just that they're, they're worth a serious look at. Um, if you're a makerspace or even for a personal user, um, and then, for instance, and the ones we have are 100-watt models, so they're quite large, well, for three-foot-by-four-foot cut area, but they're also very fast. Um, and then, you know, I mean, personally, you know, I have a Forge, and, you know, I, I don't want it beat them up on air but uh you know i'm not that happy with the glue forge
2: um well, why not why, why, you know a
1: couple things one thing is that um you know say with a, a normal laser cutter it's like okay here i made my design i put it into this in this case light burner software you're gonna transfer for it okay it cuts it great it's gone to the machine hit a button cut it up move it hit a button cut again with they have a business model with um Glowforge forge that is like okay i want to cut a pattern okay it's going to go to the cloud to their cloud and it's going to say okay now it's going to load it down into your machine from the cloud and then if i'm cutting it again you got to go through that whole thing again <laughs> it's just ridiculous <laughs> it would, then, it you know, would help
0: to have it a standalone for sure yeah
1: so if there's no direct connection between your computer and so you have to be have internet you know which generally is okay, you know. Um, but if the internet goes out, you're not cutting anything. Um, and then now it's like, oh, you want us to download your design fast? Oh, you have to pay more for us. Pay get a subscription now every month. You know, it's just one of these things where it, it was designed, and you know, it was. It, it's just a business model around it is a little is a little
2: messy. And um, would would you maybe you don't want to personally in your Garage one of three foot by four foot. No right. laser cutter, uh, but uh, laser cutter. But are there smaller Chinese laser cutters? Yeah, they're, called, they're
1: called K40s, and that's the same power as a uh, K40.
2: Is that K-40. a brand or uh, a
1: generic kind of classification? Forty is the power of the.
2: the oh, brand. I see. Forty watt. So they're called
1: K40s, and so yes, yeah, and people and those are those are smaller. You know, and, and how much
2: do they cost these days?
1: Uh, I think the K40s are they're under a thousand. I think they're like five hundred bucks. Uh huh. Yeah. So you know, if if you want to get into laser cutting and play around, go for it. You know, and just do your research on. There's plenty of stuff online, plenty of YouTube stuff. Do your research on which ones are the ones that get. They change all the time, so that's why it's hard to say. Buy this model. You know.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. And Joe, are you usually using like Adobe Illustrator to make your your files? Well, Mark, that leads me into my third cool tool. Oh, Inkscape! (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're we're kind of we're kind of skipping one, but yeah, let's let's talk about Inkscape, and we'll. Yeah.
1: So, uh, Inkscape is what I use to generate patterns. Um, it's it's free, um, which is nice. You know, so you get into it and play around with it. Um, I just I, so actually on May twenty fourth, the uh, new version came out. Um, and I just downloaded it yesterday, and I gave them twenty dollars because you know it's the right thing to do.
2: And, and and Inkscape is sort of like an Adobe Illustrator equivalent. It's not just for laser cutting. it's no, just no. A, it's an Illustrator.
1: It's it's it's, an, it's it's a yeah, it's an Illustrator equivalent. You know. Okay. Um, the nice thing about it, like, it, one, it's free. Secondly, I prefer how it works. I prefer how the interface works. You, you know, in Illustrator, you kind of get a whole bunch of stuff, and with uh, Inkscape, it's like, okay, I'm here. I, I like how they're um, the the uh, you know, manipulating nodes and manipulating the images works. It's just I, I find it much easier to use with, um, and and it's fast, much faster. It doesn't have all the overhead of of uh, Illustrator. So I think for you know, uh, if if you're if you're what you're doing is for mostly laser cutting and things like that, it's a great way to go. Um, and then, for instance, with the you know the Maker Music Festival, Mark's probably seen it um those those that whole interface those are svg files all those buildings right mm-hmm. that was all oh, done okay. in, right and because svg files can be manipulated by javascript um so so basically i was doing a number of projects before this where i was using jpegs and overlaying things and oh god you have to tell them where to go and everything whereas with the um svg files they're, they're JavaScriptable. You can tell it that you click if, if you click something's going to happen here. You can manipulate them and change them. So um, you know so I use Inkscape to design that whole interface and do all of that. Anyway, so cool. uh, if you if, if you're an Illustrator person, no, no, uh, you know do, do your Illustrator. <laughs> but you know if you're kind of up and coming and da and want to install it on a bunch of machines and run them all at the same time. <laughs> like, do, like, do, like,
2: don't you know, some <laughs> people use like SketchUp to do things to, to print to cut? Oh yeah,
1: there's there's a there's a there's a plethora of tools okay. nowadays you can use for stuff, you know. So, um right. but, but Inkscape, have, you know people kind of they like it and I like it and it's it's um it's it's um definitely in it for the price. Um it's a great tool.
0: Yeah, I've used it on like a Linux um laptop and it it is really great. I mean, it's full featured and I, I when I was using it I didn't see anything that I wished I had that you know, is on uh Illustrator that isn't on that. So Yeah,
1: exactly. Good and actually the new version now they you can you can actually copy nodes, partial nodes in it, which is a thing that I always wanted. So that's that's in it now. So
2: and um do is this do they have like paid versions or how how do they keep going? No,
1: it's 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 open source. It's 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 um I forget the organization behind it, but it's no, it's free. It is free. And they of course they just request a donation. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't think you can buy it. You can't, you know, it's not, no, here's the pro version. No, it doesn't exist.
2: That's amazing. So Inkscape with a K40 laser cutter would be a good place to start.
1: Yes, one that comes with a Ruida controller.
2: Okay. Um and Lightburn is something that you would go from Inkscape into Lightburn. Yeah, burn?
1: exactly. So Lightburn, Lightburn will take it's like
2: a, it's like a slicer in a exactly. in a um precisely. Uh yeah, okay. Yeah, and now
1: Lightburn, it's, it's, you know it's, it's a it's a great now that one it's costs eighty bucks. Um you can use it for a month without it. and uh-huh. then then it'll cost you eighty dollars so for
2: it. Alrighty, okay. So um this is great stuff. Um cool. the the other fourth um, yes. tool. Tell so, us about it.
1: Yes, as a, as a guitarist. So, um, you know, years ago, I got I bought an old Gibson 1934 L4, right? 19, wait, wait,
2: 1934? I mean a guitar that was made in 1934? 1934, or is that just the model number?
1: No, nope. made in 1934. L4 is the model number. Okay, I bought it at Griffin. Wow. At guitarist down in Palo Alto when I lived down there. And um and so basically it's a Gibson, okay? It's it's old and um, you know, and so it's got all that so it's pretty cool. Um, the thing was with mine, um, it was that the, the sun had faded out the serial number. <laughs> and so it, it knocked its value down quite a bit because now you can't, they can't trace it and da, da, da. The other thing about the, the 34L4 was that it's, it's also, it's not, it's a, it was a working man's guitar. Um, nothing fancy. It's not very collectible. So, but it's a great guitar um the finish all you know checked and it's obviously sweat-stained and the whole sort of thing you know da 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 um the funny thing was a number of years ago I saw Mark Rabot perform in San Francisco and he has something another a very similar guitar he didn't even know what model it was and but that's what he plays and the thing is is that they sound great um they're just you know get one that's beat up that's kind of beat up you know, not not cracked the, and, the you know, make sure it's in decent shape, but um, but very playable. And they, you can get them for about $1,000, um, and, it you know, it's just, just a cool-looking thing. It's a cool guitar. It sounds great, you know, and you don't worry about it because it's all beat up already.
0: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> That's a plus. Where,
2: where does the great sound come from? What is, What is it that is making the great sound? I can kind of understand, like, a violin where there's kind of complicated... Uh, structural acoustics but my 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 vision of a electric guitar is that it's a piece of wood with yeah, this is, electrical this is, sensors on it and yeah, so this,
1: no this is the these 1934 this before electronics this is these are
2: oh i see
1: yeah and so your your analogy to the violin it's the okay same thing so right. it's actually and the the this, these are arch tops and so they're carved top guitars exactly All like right. a violin Okay. And so that's one reason they sound great. Secondly, um, as with violins, um, and with, um, all solid top guitars, we, the tone gets better over time. Mm. As the wood, you know, whatever the physical changes are with the resins in the wood harden, you know, all this stuff and the wood matures, they get sounding better. So the other thing about getting an old one is they, there are, there, there were worn in. They sound great. Yeah they're not as brittle as a, as a new guitar.
2: Okay. Yeah, I I saw the word Gibson and I immediately thought of electric guitar. I'm sorry. So
1: Yeah, no, no. They have a long, long heritage of wonderful
2: French Okay. Cars. Yeah. So so this I is know. kind of like and this is is there like a place one goes to find old Gibson guitars or is it just hit or miss um you happen to
1: Nowadays it would be reverb.com. Um, it would be ebay you know the, the standard players these days
2: reverb <laughs> is a site for oh, yeah for uh, guitars for guitars.
1: Yeah, guitars yeah yeah it's a it's a big it's a big one for guitar yeah uh-huh. and um of course ebay's the other one and then and then you know of course your local your local guitar shops right so i know in la there's a there's this one there's a big one
0: mccabe's
1: uh they they have they have a pretty big they do a lot of YouTube stuff. I always watch their videos mm. there. It's over uh Tarzan uh, I don't know. I forget. I, th- I think I want to say Tarzan.
0: There is a good one in Tarzan. I can't remember yeah, the name the of it. Yeah, that's the yeah. One. A,
1: yeah, that guy. Yeah. yeah but he has in beautiful instruments there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. yeah. well yeah, these are these are great. Um
2: so uh, if someone uh, can you tell us about what what you're working on next and um where people can go to find out more?
1: Yeah. So what I'm working on next, well, the other the that I'm going to be working on, I like, so the thing is, I, you know, I did programming for years um, and sitting behind desks, staring at computers, blah, blah, blah. But I've always liked to build things. So what I do is I kind of split my time toward um, doing software development and then, um, fabricating, doing fabrication. So basically like right now I'm working on two restaurants and what I create, I create in, I create um, what I would call, they're kind of like sign art for these places.
2: Um, the, wait, wait, what did you say? The sign art? Sign art. Yeah. You mean like so, the, like a sign?
1: You, sometimes they, they kind of, you know, it's basically, obviously with these places you're going to put their branding, <laughs> their names on these things. Uh-huh. And so it's like, you know, and so I kind of come up with kind of nice ways of in, enhancing their interiors. And mm. so for instance, one place we cut apart, we cut up on a, cut apart a bike and I LED the wheels and it gets, they become sort of like wall pieces, art pieces,
2: oh, okay. um,
1: you know, and then uh, one I'm currently working on is going to be sort of layers of lettering and it's going to make kind of these, these walls of, of this kind of letter art, um, and things like that. So, so that there's, I've got a couple of those going right now. Um, the other thing is the maker music festival. Um, we had the big thing on 15th, 16th. Uh, we had uh, like 20 hours of live streaming, as well as that was a big push to get the site up with uh, almost 300 projects on there, um, and that's still there and that's still living. And so now um, we're working on um, keeping that going. So monthly uh, live live events, um, as well as uh, working on collaboration collaborative things. Um, we I had a meeting this morning with um, S- um, Cynthia from Jack Trip. Um, which is a, um, a live synchronization tool out of Stanford's Karma. Um, and so, anyway, so we're looking at collaboration um, and things like that. So, there's a bunch of stuff to do with the Make Music Festival. So. Um, and then, we're also, ta- in fact, this morning, we're talking with MIT to do a, 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 a um, sort of an interesting um, interface for them for uh, one of their departments. And so, that's another group that I work with. Um, cool. Great places
2: and i know that you run a um, maker space as well
1: yes well I, i'm the, i'm the president
2: <laughs> right you so know. so so um i but know that that's been a, I'm working on yes th- that's you. been a tough time during the covid because of the restriction social distancing but um uh t- t- tell me a little bit more about the um the current advantages of of that i mean it's it's not a new idea but i i do think that people should be more aware of them and the possibilities uh of that and they should check it out locally whether there's one available but what what could people expect um for makerspace if it was one in their neighborhood
1: yes well you're right they should seek it out and basically if you if you are a craftsperson are a maker if you are interested in making and making things, what a makerspace offers you is a full um, palette of tools: laser cutters, 3D printers, wood shops, jewelry studios, uh, welding equipment, along with the classes and the staff and expertise there to get you up to speed on them. So instead of saying, "Oh, I want to start doing laser cutting, oh let me start looking at buying a laser cutter." no. Go to the, go to your local makerspace. learn about the laser cutter, get hands-on experience with it, figure it out and, and talk to other makers and, and interact with other makers, see what they're doing and you can get it all figured out and then decide, you know, and then, and they'll even help you figure out what you might want. Um, And so, and then in the case of, like you said, with a 400 watt laser cutter, <laughs> it's the size of a refrigerator, you know, it's like, you, you know, that may not work. So you'd be able to do larger scale projects, you know, And so, basically, you become part of a community of makers. Um, You get uh, access to experts, as well as, you know, we put together, we have a bunch of classes and things like that. And then we also offer volunteer opportunities for people They can come in and they can use the space for free just by giving some of their time.
2: Wow. And, like, um, on a national average, what kind of a range of fees would a typical makerspace charge?
1: Um. Tech shop was pretty expensive. We're we're like, you know, basically for $50 a month, you get mm-hmm. like a week of access. And and then yeah. And so, you know, and then for you, and our professional plan which means you can come every day of the every day of the month for you know, full and then we don't charge if you're using the laser there's no additional charge. It's just like you've paid your 50 bucks and you can use all of this stuff. Um and our professional membership's 150 a month. And uh-huh. that gives you full access. Yeah. Right. So very reasonable.
2: And then, then you could might have workshops or classes that you also would charge for yes, outsiders who don't have a membership. So
1: tra- trainings are generally free on most of the stuff. The trainings that take a lot of time, they may cost you 50 bucks, like the wood shop, because it's dangerous, you know, and so we have to make sure you're qualified. So, And it takes a bunch of time on our staff time. Um, so, yes, so uh, not a nominal charge for that. And then there's various classes, so of course, classes and things like that.
2: Right. So. And uh, do you have a – you know, if someone somewhere in a different part of the, the U.S. was looking for it, is there, are there maybe 30 in the U.S. at this point or 100 or what? what what's the general availability of maker spaces? Was,
1: that sounds about right. It's hard. to It's kind of hard because a lot of make, like, for instance, usually any university will have a maker lab. Oh, um, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the Sonoma state certainly has one. Um and then you have, like, for instance, the the public library has a little maker lab in it here in Sebastopol as well. I think it just has a three D printer and something. But so the and a lot of schools now have, have do have maker programs, um, like high schools and things like that as well. So I think for for youth they're around. For as an adult, um, yeah, I think I think any every major county would have one. You know, like we just actually, there were two in Sonoma County. One of them closed um, just before COVID, um, so we're the only one in Sonoma County. And in the East Bay, you've got the Crucible, as well as a couple other ones down in the Bay Area. So in the South Bay, okay, uh, the name slipping me. So, well, yeah, that so cares, in, a, that in, in a metropolitan area, they'll they'll have them.
2: Okay, well, good. Yeah, I encourage people to to at least investigate that possibility, rather than um, as you say. Even if you do intend to make your own workshop, it's a great way to try things out to see uh, the scale of what you might need things and things that you may not need. Exactly, and mm-hmm. we, even, we
1: even have people. I mean, people are running businesses out of our space. So
2: I mean, they're they're they're, they're making something and they're using your space as their yep. yeah as, as their, their production shop. place. Right, oh exactly. wow!
1: And we've launched we've launched numerous numerous business local businesses. Um, same thing. People come in, they learn how to do. Um, Laser cutting, da da da. Develop a product line, and then they up and running, and you know they go on
2: and do their business. So MakerSpace is, is definitely a cool tool itself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely,
1: one That's of the coolest. <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> well, Joe, this has been great finding oh, out cool. all the stuff you're doing and catching up with you. Yeah,
1: and uh to see you and hang out with you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really fun. And uh, like like we yeah. were telling uh, Sherry on on the previous podcast. Really looking forward to uh Maker Music Festival going live again.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly.
0: That'll happen. And so people can go to just MakerMusicfestival.com and eventually there'll be information about that. Yep. Exactly. Sounds great. Well, Joe, thanks so much. That was a blast. Thank you guys. Hey everybody, it's Mark from the Cool Tools Podcast. I want to thank you for being a listener to Cool Tools. And I also would like to let you know about our Patreon page. If you would like to support the Cool Tools Show, as well as our video channel, the website, and all the newsletters that we do, you can go to patreon.com cooltools, that's just one word, cool Tools, and pledge any amount you want. You could even pledge a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. We have editors, we pay for transcribing costs, we pay our reviewers, every bit of money that you contribute goes towards supporting the show. I'd like to give a shout out to our supporters of the Cool Tools Podcast. This week, I'd like to thank the following Patreon supporters. Bill Shuler, Bob Kay, Ryan Pelly, Carl D. Patterson, Chad Cosby, Chris Wieland, Chris Weirstook, Craig Tooker, Dan O'Brien, Dean Putney, Danelle Cunningham, Evan Barker, Graham Medlin, Hans Riesbeck, Helen Hegedus, Jerry Kearns, Jim Lesko, Jim Spofford, John Pollock, John Burdenbau, Keith O, Ken Altman, Les Howard, Lauren Bast, Mock Nerd, Malton Make, Mark Goebel, Matt Gromes, Michael Douglas, Michael Jones, and Michael Pecorini. Thanks to all of you for supporting the Cool Tools Show. We really appreciate it.